Coming up, Pastor Xavier Reese explains that God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, that if we cannot give with a hilarious heart, then we shouldn't do it. If you cannot give to God what belongs to God, overjoyed, don't pollute his offering. You be obedient to God what belongs to God. Make sure it's from your heart, and God will deal with your heart and bless you. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When it comes to giving to God and the church, it's all too easy for us to be concerned with how much we need to give when God's concern is all in how much you keep. And so it was a poor widow's example that illustrated this simple truth for the disciples at Jerusalem that Jesus observed who truly had a heart of gold. Let's listen as Pastor Xavier describes the scene found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, where we'll see this valuable lesson playing out. Our Lord and Savior has been bombarded with questions since His triumphal entry to the city of Jerusalem. And perhaps He is taking a brief rest from all this bombardment. And He's observing how people put money into the treasury. He says, now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes a quadrants. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Verse 41 gives us the secret observer. It is no one but Jesus Christ. Observing the giving of men. Jesus sat opposite the treasury. There was 13 baskets or funnels. For the collection. They were called trumpets because they were in shape of trumpets, wide at the bottom and then narrow towards the top. Each one of them had a designated fund, whether it be for the temple, for the sacrifice, for the service, for different things. And you could go in there and you could put your offering where you wanted it to go. But the only problem with that is that everybody could see you. I am amazed that the ability of man to always try to receive recognition for what he does. I mean, you can pick one of the trumpets and people would stand back and say, oh, look, he's giving to this offering. Look, he gave something to all of them. And yet the Bible tells us that if that is what is going on, then the reward is lost. Jesus saw how the people put money into the treasury. That's the emphasis. How the people put in. See, he wasn't looking at how much was being given. He wasn't looking at where it was given. He was looking at how it was given. The motive and the attitude of the giving. And we always seem to want to bring attention to man when it comes to finances and to how 
we do those things for God. And yet the scriptures throughout the Old and the New Testament are always that it's to be done with a willing heart. You remember in Exodus 25, verse 1 and 2, when Moses was collecting the material and the possessions to build a tabernacle, he says, let him who has a willing heart come and offer materials, money, time, talent, ability, and availability. You see, God honors the willing heart. That's all he honors. And if we're not careful to understand this, we'll get so caught up by the amount or by what we do. Verse 42 gives us the simple giver. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mice, which makes a quadrant. One poor widow, insignificant. And here she came in this trumpet and she was putting in what? Two mites. And maybe they looked and they said, oh, what's this? What's she trying to do, offend God? You know what's interesting is that no matter how little we impart to God, it's amazing what God can do with the little that we give out of our heart. One day, Jesus was going to feed the multitudes, and the disciples says, well, what's, what's the multitude among this little fish and, and bread? He says, never mind, just sit down. And so we might look upon, well, you know, what, what can I do? I mean, how can I help? Jesus says, don't worry about that. You just be faithful to give out of what you have, and I'll take care of meeting what is necessary. The word might there is a small coin. Literally, it means a thin one, about one-fourth of a cent. An insignificant amount. But all things that are insignificant to us become very significant to God, and he makes them worthwhile. That's the way he works. Now, it's interesting to me that this passage of Scripture is right after Jesus' rebuke of the scribes in verse 38 and 40, and one of the charges there is that they devour widows' houses. Matthew 23 gives you more detail about the woes to the scribes. They were the interpreters of the law. They had twisted the scriptures. Oh, how men from the pulpit twist the scriptures when it comes to giving today because they're interested in pressuring people and meeting their budgets. My Bible teaches me that where God guides, He provides. And all I'm responsible is to do what I'm doing this morning. When I go through the scriptures, and if it falls on that, I am to teach it as I would teach any other passage, without any apologies, with all the authority of the scriptures. And then only touch it when we cross it in scripture again, not when I feel that our funds are low. When our funds are low, I'm supposed to pray like I've always been praying. <laughs> and I'm supposed to see God work for this ministry. I want to depend upon God. Because if I can pressure you, if I can manipulate you, then I really don't know if God is in this ministry. The greatest confirmation in my life is that God is providing, therefore God is guiding. I need that assurance. I need that in my life. It's the scariest way to live. 
But on the spiritual plane, it's the safest because God is in control. One day, Mr. George Mueller, he was a tremendous man of faith. In England, he took on the ministry of taking orphans to himself. He never begged. He never had fundraisers. He prayed. Pick up his book, George Mueller, Man of Faith. And God never failed him. One day, he was in this orphanage and there was no food. And he knew that God had never failed him and God had assured him again the food would be there. He told the children, come, let's sit down, we're going to eat. They sat at the table, there was no food. Mr. Mueller said, let's give God thanks for the food that he's provided. The whole kids looked around. He began to pray. As he was praying, there was a knock on the door. Mr. Mueller opened the door, and there was a man standing on the porch. He says, Mr. Mueller, my cart just broke down. I have all this cheese and milk that if I don't get rid of it, it's going to spoil. I was wondering, could you use it for your orphans? That's God in action. We trust God, and we don't drop hints. We don't make campaigns. And we certainly do not beg to the world. We just teach the people of God their responsibility and their privilege. And then we pray to God and trust God to move upon the heart of the people. That's where it's at, people. The simple giver gives from what he or she has, not from what he or she has not. And they do it with simplicity. There's no great parade. There's no great announcement. They're not intimidated by men nor by those around them. They do it. Very, very simple. The simple giver also is one who gives without pretense regardless of who is seen. They're true. Remember, there was a couple in the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira, in the book of Acts. And when everybody was selling all of their properties and everything as the church was birthed, they all gave it and laid it at the apostles' feet that they might distribute as the need came. But the thing that we need to note there is that God never required that. It's never told us that God required that, nor did God demand that. It was something that came forth from their hearts. And so Peter said to Ananias, Ananias, let me ask you something. When you had your property and your possession, was it not yours? He says, yes. When you sold it, was not the money all yours? Yes. Did God require it all from you? No. Then why did you give a pretense as if you gave all? You have lied unto God and not unto man. And he struck him dead. And the same thing with his wife. I wonder how many of us would be struck dead this morning for the pretense of our giving. I think that it would be written on the wall, many were the slain of the Lord in the church of Jesus Christ this morning. And yet God never requires it all. 
You be obedient to God what belongs to God. Make sure it's from your heart and God will deal with your heart and bless you. So the giving is with simplicity. No big to do. Because Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7 that if we cannot give with a hilarious heart, then we shouldn't do it. If you cannot give to God what belongs to God, overjoyed, don't pollute his offering. God really doesn't need our money. He just allows us to be part of the blessing of his work. And I think that much of the bad attitude towards giving is because man has misrepresented God. You remember when um, Moses was taking up the collection for the uh, Old Testament tabernacle? I mean, he got to the point where he had to tell the people, hey, listen, don't give no more. We've got way, way too much. I've never heard a church do that. Never. Oh, no, 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 really. We don't need any more. Huh. No, they always say, brother, we are down this fiscal year, and if you don't give, we're going to have to get off the air. Get off the air. <laughs> it applies to me, too. We have to make sure that God's in what he's doing. Simplicity. How we have lost the simplicity of giving as the people of God. And the finances and the economic problem of today doesn't help our attitudes, does it? <laughs> People say, well, you know, I mean, we were just barely making it. Don't tell me, tell God. I can understand. I would be more sympathetic towards you in terms of the difficulty because I go, oh, okay. But God uses this woman who was in poverty as an example that no one should hinder themselves and exclude themselves from giving to God. Remember the Macedonians in 2 Corinthians 8? Paul says, listen, the Macedonians were in poverty and they gave out of their poverty. They were offended. I said, no, no, don't give. You guys are poor. They said, Paul, what's the matter with you? You trying to rip us off? Paul says in Philippians, hey, I want a fruit to your account. Interesting. What a different perspective God has from what we have. We always look at things backwards. Verse 43 through 44 gives us a spiritual teaching. Please don't miss it. Jesus, as always, his custom, he takes every circumstance and situation of life to teach his disciples. Because isn't that where God teaches us right in life? We think that the teaching takes place here this morning and all these classes that we offer. No, no, no. The teaching takes place in life when you go home and you have to live with your wife and your husband. When you have to raise your children. When you have to pay your... Uh-oh, taxes are coming up. You going to lie? Or are you going to give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar? Well, you know, just a little... I mean, you know, they're bad stewards, so what? You going to be a bad steward too and lie? The rationale... So subtle, so dangerous. And so he calls his disciples to himself. He wanted to teach his disciples. You are a disciple. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. It means a learner. I want to learn. I want to learn God's spiritual truth for my life because I need him so desperately. I really do. 
Sometimes you guys look at pastors and think they don't need it. Let me tell you, sometimes I feel that we are the weakest and that's why he's called us. That the excellence and the power may be of God and not of ourselves. In this weak earthen vessel. Now notice that Jesus said, As surely I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. What an astonishing statement. I would have never concluded that. And neither would have you <laughs> by looking. Which again means that God looks differently than we do. We look at a person, do something, and say, oh man, what a loving brother. God says, no, he's got an ulterior motive. We look at somebody who's having a bad time and say, oh, I knew he's carnal. He's not committed. And God says, like Job, what a righteous man. We don't have all the facts, people. <laughs> we don't know. God does. How can Jesus say that she has put in more than all those, not only the one of the riches, but all of them put together? Simply because of this, Jesus says, they all put in of their abundance, their surplus. There is the difference. Stop and think. I don't know how long you've been in the Lord, but when I first came to the Lord, when Trudy and I got married in 73, I was only making about $800 a month. It's not a lot of money. And yet, to be faithful to God through that was a big portion. Now, as time has moved on and our economic stance has become better, though we are still faithful to God, we're also aware that what we give now is not really as much in proportion as we used to. Even if I continue my tithe. Let me suggest something to you. Let me suggest that you not only be satisfied with giving to God what belongs to God, but that you lay aside a little kitty, whatever amount the Lord leads on your heart, for those who are in need, be they family members or be they people in the body when the Lord points them out to you. So that you're not only being faithful to God, but you're being faithful to the love of the brethren. Now people say, well, can I give my tithe to somebody else? No, don't rob God. If God wanted to help them, God will do it through somebody else. God wants you to walk by faith, through obedience. And it will teach your children tremendously through your life that you're not living for your money no matter how much you have. You are faithful to God. You're compassionate towards others. And you're not just hoarding and building up. Am I speaking against bank accounts? Am I speaking against retirement funds? Am I speaking against investment? Never. Or you must be a good steward. But just make sure those things don't have a hold of you. She gave more. Jesus said, she of her poverty gave of her livelihood. There's the difference. They gave of their surplus. She gave of all she had. David one day went to offer sacrifice at the threshing floor of Ornan. As he came to re restore fellowship with God and 
When he got there, Ornan said, oh, listen, here's the sacrifice. Here's the threshing floor. Just give it. You're the king. He says, no, no, no. I will not offer anything to God that doesn't cost me. You know what the problem with many people in Christ are? They don't want anything to cost them. We become takers instead of givers. Mark this well. Jesus teaches us that he doesn't look at how much we give, but he looks at how much we keep. Now, that's a different twist, isn't it? <laughs> he says, they kept a whole bunch. She kept nothing. You and I look and say, boy, that guy gave $1,000. God says, he kept a million. <laughs> what a different perspective. You see, I do not look the way God looks. And so I always have to keep that in heart and mind as I move on my life. How God looks at my giving, my attitude, as God has blessed me, how much I keep, what I do with it, all of that. Does God want me to be poor? No, not necessarily. But God does have some people to be poor, does he not? He says, you have the poor with you always. Jesus teaches us also that sacrificial giving is a mark of a heart for God. These men stand in sharp contrast to the woman and she to them. They did not have a heart for God. She did. And so one of the chief characteristics of a person who has a heart for God is the area of giving. And in the context here, sacrificial giving. I'm not going to define sacrificial giving for you. That's between you and God. But I know that it not only applies to you, it applies to me. To the pastor as well as those in the pew. No one is exempt. And so, as we look to this passage, what a tremendous teaching he gives to his disciples. Did they learn this lesson? Look at the New Testament church in the book of Acts. They certainly did. And whenever you see a church that is flourishing, not necessarily financially, but who has the, the, the fire of, of God in their heart, who are just busy reaching out to the lost and who are preaching the gospel of salvation, who are anticipating the Lord's return, I'll show you people who are being obedient in this area right here. But again, it's up to the Lord and it's up to our willingness. My responsibility as a pastor is to teach you to exhort you, to comfort you, and then leave it in the Lord's hands. And so some profound principles that he's given to us here in these few verses. We need to learn them well. God is the secret observer of all giving, especially the motive of our heart. God recognizes the simple giver no matter how big or how small the gift is. And God desires us to learn the principle of giving. That at times, it must be sacrificially. But it's always from the heart. Never from pressure. Never from carnal motivation. But because I know that all that I have is God's and He's been so good to me. And I do it hilariously out of my heart. This is the type of giving that God honors. And he took this poor widow 
to illustrate this point. In the midst of all the religious rulers who were the teachers of giving, <laughs> she gave them the most powerful lesson on giving. Pastor Xavier Reese, using the unexpected story of a poor widow to illustrate the heart of giving that God honors, valuable simple truths drawn from Mark chapter 12. Now, just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's Simple Truths message titled The Widow's Might are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply The Widow's Might, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 